Welcome to the latest Pink podcast in the Pink Elephant podcast series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Welcome to part one of To OLA or Not To OLA. OLAs. We look at service level management. I'm just going to go over a little bit at the beginning, but I'm going to try to do it at this point from a different perspective, and that's more from the perspective of operational level agreements but you're going to be seeing the same terms you've probably seen over and over again if you've gone to service level management presentations. So we know that service level management is around so that we can make sure that we talk with our customer base once we've identified the customer, and also once we've identified the services that, that we're providing to them, we're going to set levels of expectation. And then we have to manage those service levels we have to monitor those service levels and keep in constant touch with them. So it's all about maintaining, about monitoring. It's about negotiating with them. There is a lot of discussion around whether or not, you know, we tell the customer first what's the level of service we can provide to them, or do we let them tell us? So part of that is just understanding when we introduce operational level agreements, do we, do we also even introduce them at all. Key terms that you're probably all familiar with, service catalog. Service catalog is going to describe the services that we're providing to the customer base, but it's also going to tell them availability and a lot about the levels of service that we can provide to them. The service catalog is becoming not only actionable, but it's also providing that view of a service level agreement. What is the master or baseline service levels that we can offer according to that service? Service level agreements, formal documents. Um, if they're the service catalog, master or baseline, sometimes organizations decide on whether or not they actually need to be signed. But it's giving an outline again of the service. It's telling the customer what level of service we can provide as a master. If they want a different level of service, then we have some negotiations to do with them, as well as back in our IT shops, because it may mean longer hours, more staff, different monitoring tools. Operational level agreements. This is a description of the service, of the technology domains, technology components, in IT, describing what they are, sort of what that domain looks like, levels of service, hours of service, and it's fundamental to having that information before you complete your service level agreements and service catalog. Underpinning contracts, service level agreement by another name. It's what you have with your third party vendors and suppliers. They're calling them service level agreements. And they're more contractual in nature. And that's why underpinning contracts. From an ITIL perspective, what we're looking at is what is the level of service that your vendors, service providers are providing to you. You want to be able to negotiate with them as well. If they're going to say, well, it's going to take five weeks, maybe 10 weeks to get a spare part. Is that acceptable? When we start to look at our own operational level agreements, we have to consider the underpinning contracts that are being worked on. Because if I'm going to tell a customer that we can give them 
um, you know, a four-hour turnaround, but I have an underpinning contract out there that's going to say it's going to be 24 hours, I've already lied to them. Service level requirements. That's when we go out and we talk with the customer and say, what do you require? What are your demands? What is your business? When do you need it available? I mean, if you get a lot of this, well, we need it by 7 by 24. We need it all the time. But in fact, they're only really working Monday to Friday from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. What is the value in having 7 by 24? So we need to understand their requirements from the customer, bring it back, and see if we can match it up with our underpinning contracts, levels of service, and our operational level agreements. The dependencies. We have the external or internal customer base and service level agreements with them. Most service level agreements right now are based on application. And then we're only seeing one little piece of the puzzle. The service catalog is that portrayal and definition of what is the service. It's made up of the application and, and the infrastructure, professional services, all of those pieces are involved, but it's in terms that the, the customer is going to understand. And a place to find that information is the service desk can help you because they get the calls from the customer and saying, you know what, I'm in accounts payable right now and I can't do this. It's not responding. Email's not responding. So they're a really good contact to understand what the customer is seeing as the service that you're providing. Your org chart. Your website. If you've got lines of business, whatever that line of business is, you can usually turn it right into what is the service that you're providing to them. So underpinning the service catalogs and underpinning the service level agreements, we have operational level agreements, underpinning contracts. Sometimes you have underpinning contacts, contracts which are directly supporting a service, outsourced contracts, as an example. Some of the underpinning contracts are actually supporting an internal technology domain. So we need to look at those sort of the influence of both of those. Why operational level agreements? Once we start to talk with the customer, we're opening up the curtain. We're telling them the level of service that we can provide. We're now much more visible to the customer and we're giving them end-to-end -end service. They experience the service. They're not experiencing the application or the server or the network. They're consuming and experiencing the end-to-end -end service. So once we start to tell them what we can provide to them at this period in time, we have to live up to those promises of the level of service we can provide. And it is crucial to establishing the credibility of the IT department within the organization. Most organizations in the IT department have taken incredible credibility hits. Customers, they just get complacent with the level of service. They don't understand the language. And there's varying levels of service that are provided. So once we cross that line and provide them with the information, then we need to be able to stand up to it. 
We need to be able to clearly define, once you start to get down that road on operational level agreements, we're clearly defining those roles and responsibilities. What do you do? When do you do it? What is the nature of the technology domain or the technology component that you're working with? It will help reduce costs, but it provides that accountability. We start to see, again, instead of having the shotgun approach across the organization, where five people can be doing the same thing, we start to streamline it. it is, it's a powerful tool for your service desk as well because now they get to see and understand who does what. So when calls come in, they're better equipped to make sure that the tickets are going off to the right group. Who has operational level agreements in place? Why don't, organi why don't organizations, why don't the IT groups want to do operational level agreements? They're measured. <laughs> they don't want to be measured. Okay. And what's coming up is the monitoring is a good point. It also leads to what availability or what levels of service are you talking about? If you're starting to say we offer 99.9% .9 availability, or 98% availability, and we'll go through on how that's tracked, and you can't measure it, don't promise it. When I first started doing service level agreements about 10 years ago, and this was actually a little bit pre-ITIL, that was part of, I, I removed percentages. One, because we could not monitor it, and they were not about to start monitoring. All I put was the availability. These are the maintenance windows. Even that little bit of information was enough to provide that a little bit of, you know, okay, we're okay here. Okay, so I still had some IT people who wanted to take the visa system down, you know, at midnight and one o'clock. Um, oh, duh. It's when everybody's getting out of the bars. So we had a lot of negotiations that had to be done internally because of what we were telling our customer. We were trying to find out from them, from their business hours, when can we put those maintenance windows in? If we have to take the system down, who do we need to contact? And you've got the call, whether we take it down now or we take it down later. So it became very clear that was one reason we needed to put operational level agreements in place is to make sure that everybody knew what they were doing in IT and that they were going to align with, with the business. Um, and that we could at least get back to the business and say these are the hours of operation. Um, another reason why we looked at operational level agreements is that uh, our service desk or our help desk at the time was taking a big hit on credibility. You don't want to call the help desk. All they're going to do is open a ticket and, and you know, half the time they don't even know where to send it. They don't know the questions to ask. It was the IT groups. That's them. Well, do you give them a script? Do you tell them what you're your technology domain is? Do you tell them what you do? Do you give them information on what they could do over the phone? No. So by starting on this level, working with the operational level agreements, we were able to start to put something in place that would help the service desk. And we ended up with what was called actually a problem management agreement, taking operational level agreements and the terms and the problem management agreements where basically if a call comes through on email first you call here, then here, then here. And they had a clear line of who to send their tickets through to.
So it's fundamental that we also want that those roles and responsibilities and that accountability, you know, you get past that hurdle. And how you do that probably just needs to be mandated from the higher levels, but that has to be in place. Thank you for listening to this week's Pink Podcast. Please join us next week for a new podcast session.